Perhaps the most controversial topic of discussion in our day revolves around truth. Opinions often blur the lines of an objective truth. Streaming platforms, social media, and other mediums allow individuals to project their truths upon the masses like never before. In the midst of woke, cancel culture, religious freedoms, political liberties, social injustice, we attempt to search for and reveal the truth. This is Truth Revival. And we're back. My name is Roman Hamilton. Here we are on episode 21. I'm excited to uh, be with you guys today. Uh, joining me in the studio, we've got Mr. Nationwide, as always. Mm, Paul Chapman. How are you, Rome? <laughs> Paul Chapman, the man. And also joining us for the first time is Mr. Van Sliger. Van Sliger. Mm -hmm. Now, if anybody knows anything about Van, Van is one of the most creative and witty people when it comes to the gospel and just in general. Okay, so Van, if you don't mind, just share a little bit uh, about yourself, kind of a, a mini bio, I guess, for, for those people who don't know you or, or maybe the people who do know you. But just a, just a small snippet about you, and, the, and then we'll get into the topic. Yes, yeah, so I, I had just finished uh, pastoring at a church. I've been there for about 24 years, but I've been in uh, ministry in totality for 29 years was raised in church all my life, you know, the typical thing, and got out. And uh don't believe really I had a conversion experience until I was 21. And uh, I just, every every friend that I had at that particular time was lost. And, you know, I just tried to, you know, win them to the Lord the best way I knew how. I, I would say I was evangelistic by nature. I never thought I'd pastor as long as I did, but I did. And uh, recently, I think I've you know been to your church a couple of times. I uh, I started doing this thing because I'm a big creation. I love creation. God was always proud of His creation. Uh, that's how we got here. And I always felt like that when you were of the belief that uh, we just somehow arrived here through goo, somewhere or another, that it strips Him of His glory, because the Bible says we're fearfully and wonderfully made. So. Fast forward a little bit, I always had a, a enamor, just loved insects and animals, would have all these conversations, and from a very young age, I noticed that they told a story, that God doesn't just make something, it comes with a story, and it always goes back to Him one way or another, it glorifies Him. In creation, the Bible says in Romans, it's what it, it speaks to, that His creation speaks of Him, that that's how you yes. know that there's a God, and... Um, so I started a thing called Animal Crackers is the name of it, and I just go around speaking. It, it works hugely in groups such as uh, Miracle Lake and Women at the Well, uh, go to Teen Challenge, different places. And it's it's just one of those things where, you know, this as a pastor, uh, you know when you're really preaching something and you see people's face, mm. when their eyes are really open, they're, they're leaning in, and, and it just does that is because I didn't know that King Solomon – one of the things that people come to hear his wisdom about was about animals. It was there in the Bible. A guy pointed that out to me. You know, there's, there's a lot about the Bible you think you've read yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and you haven't. And I started to learn that. And so I'm very, uh, I know God is going to use that in a specific way. I've already seen it, but it's, it's really, and it's, and it's fun. It's fun to do. You know how people are going to receive from it. And I've seen some mighty move of God just where people understood, oh, wow. And so to have somebody come back later, two years, three years later, and say, you know what? I remember when you was talking about bees or the giraffe or ants. I do one about money, finances, which, by the way, is the, as you all know, church is one of the worst places that's ever even taught. Mm. You know, it's a, and so uh, just, different things like that. And so, yeah, you know, I enjoy that. You know, I've been able to sit in on the B. What, what did you say the name was it again? The the actual. Oh, unbelievable. Or animal crackers is the name of it. But, that's the, yeah. that's the, the big umbrella, yeah. but the bees is called unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. Fantastic. That the amount of research that you did for that was just phenomenal. Have you ever got to hear? No, I, unbelievable? Haven't, I haven't got to hear it. Now, Van, do you have that like a, 
Is that only like a live experience, or do you have that recorded somewhere? Well, I've had that asked so many times is because the live experience is what makes it. Agreed. It's it's uh, If you recorded it, to me, it'd be just information. But what happens is from one group to the next, it's very organic. Mm-hmm. And depending on who you're in there, it's like a quarterback coming up to the line. You know, if you're on offense, you're either probably going to throw it or hand it off. But which way do you throw it and hand it off? Mm-hmm. Um, I had to do kindergarten one time. All right. <laughs> so I, lo- I love this story. I had to do kindergarten one time. Uh, I held them at bay for seven minutes, which is eternity. <laughs> in kindergarten. That's, yeah. that's huge. To, to get kids for seven minutes. And I thought – what, how could I go further? So what I let them do is let them tell their story about being stung. It was amazing. I had been looking for this kid for five years. I was I was doing a substitute thing in Riceville, so they let me do animal crackers. You know, rather than watch a movie or whatever, they just let me do it. So I'm doing it. This boy's in kindergarten, right? So everybody went around telling their sting story. The last boy goes, Mr. Schlager, he said, I stung 10,000 times. I said, you were, because the major one up. And <laughs> He goes, yeah. And he goes, they actually had to take my lungs out. And he opened up his mouth. He meant tonsils, you know, of course. <laughs> and I said, they took your lungs out? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, how are you doing now? And he goes, I'm feeling much better. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so in their, in their little world, and I got to present the gospel, in a way, to kindergartners, to where it presents itself. You know, at, at the end of it, you know, certain things you can say in school, certain things you can't, but but it was just an amazing thing. And to see how God can use that in different genres, just different people. And really, that's what we're called to do is to catch fish. Mm-hmm. Well, any, any fisherman knows you don't just have one type of bait. The hook's pretty much the same. Right, yeah. But it's going to be everything else. So it's, it's neat. You know, I've got to hear the unbelievable, which is truly unbelievable. The giraffe one mm-hmm. was pretty cool. I haven't got to hear the ants, mm-hmm. but the live experience with Van Slager is pretty cool. So our topic today is going to be our identity in Christ. This came from a conversation that I had with Michael Jenkins. Love, Michael. Michael was talking about, I said, Michael, you, you, want to, you want to be on the podcast again? We'd love to have you. And he said, yeah, there's something that's been on my heart, our identity in Christ. And so we started planning the show. He had a work-related thing, so he couldn't make it. But here we are. He gave us his blessing to go ahead. And so with that in mind, our topic of discussion is going to be our identity in Christ. What is our personal identity. Well, that's who or what a person or thing is. It's how you identify yourself. That's the first thing I ask you. What did I ask you? Are you still doing what? It's because most of a man's identity is found in what he does. Yeah. That's usually the second question men have never met following your name. What do you do? Yeah. And that's why a lot of guys, after they retire, they die because their identity was attached to where they worked. Yeah, that's how they were known. It wasn't. You got to be careful if it's anything of the world because anything of the world comes to an end. You know, that's what they say about the NFL. It stands for not for long. <laughs> you, you don't play that forever, even if you have, even if you're Tom Brady, it won't go on forever. And so, uh, knowing that when you have that foundation, that's really rooted and grounded in Christ. That's how that's how people get through things. You know, people can identify with football teams or sports teams. People identify with their hobbies or clubs or organizations. And that's their identity. We recently went to the Alabama-Tennessee game. And Alabama fans are diehard, roll tide. And that's, what, that's how they identify themselves. And they feel as if they're part of a, a, a group and a subculture. Well, Tennessee VFL, Vol for Life, is no different we are part we become part of that fan base and that's how we identify ourselves and something i was thinking of was like you know hunters people that hunt and you see people and especially in our area they got a dog box in the back of their truck and you know it's like hunters tip their hat to other hunters or cowboys or you know people 
we identify with our our trade. We identify with, and that that identity brings security. That identity brings confidence. That identity brings a sense of belonging. And in today's crazy, messed up world, there's a lot of identities that's that that's going on, and how people identify. And I feel like that's a shifting sand type thing. You know, we can either be built on the solid rock or we can be built on the sinking sand. And I want to build my life. I want to build my family. I want to build my children's lives on the solid rock Mm -hmm. of Jesus Christ. I want to give them a firm foundation moving into their future. Paul Give us your thoughts on our identity. When you hear that, just what's something that just comes to your heart? What do you make me, Lord? You know, I I can identify with with this worldly thing of, uh, hey, I'm discouraged or I'm no good or uh, I'm beat down, I'm troubled, I'm tormented, uh, I'm stressed, I'm forsaken, I'm bitter. I can identify with all those things because I, I, I'm tangible in those things in, in every day, it's what affects me in the natural. And too many times I forget I'm a chosen priest. I'm redeemed. I'm forgiven. I'm blessed. I'm the head. I'm not the tail. You know, I'm going forth. I'm not in the back. I'm, I'm with the victor. I'm with the anointed one. I'm with the alpha, the omega. The, those, are, those are identities that, that we, too many times we don't understand and we don't realize what we are because, number one, I would say 80% of the people who profess to know Jesus really don't study his word. Um, me, me being included in that years ago, I'm, I'm, I study the word now more than I ever have. And, you know, you think about that, listen to what, what the scripture says in John one twelve. yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Yes. He gave the right to become like him, to identify as he is. You know, we got all this stuff going on now. Identify as I'm, I'm binary, I'm this, I'm that, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but listen, by the blood of the lamb, you identify with him. Amen. The one who spoke this thing into, into creation. And, and the thing about it is the devil is going to and fro, seeking whom he can devour, trying to tell you that you're not his, trying to tell you that you're not good enough, trying to put things in your life that totally destroy you. And, and I, I was with a guy this morning I'm not going to mention his name, but we were talking about the podcast, and he went through a ton of th- – I remember when I played music. I traveled all over playing music for years. And this guy, when he was in high school, he used to come watch us all the time. And, and he was raised in church. Well, he lost his identity. He believed the lie of the enemy. Well, the next thing you know, he's living in sin. He ends up in jail. Wow. And, and, and he's in a mess. Nobody trusts him. He's a rogue. All these things happen to him. And then guess what happens? He remembers – who he is. He remembered, Hey, this is not who I am. This is not my identity. I have been given the right to be a child of God. I've been redeemed by the blood. So he surrenders himself to who he knows who he is. Listen, now the Lord has raised him up. He's going in into these jails and, and he's helping people. He's teaching, he's counseling, he's doing these things. He's living in the identity of who Jesus says he is. And the problem is we proclaim this identity and then we get derailed by the lies of the enemy and the world and people pounding on us, people pounding on us. You know, things happen in life and it just destroys us. And, and too many people don't settle and say, hey, listen, this is not who I really am. But this guy... He got to that place, and God's raised him up. And that's what the Lord wants to do. He wants to say, hey, look, I know this thing's rough. I know it's tough. I know it's hell. Let's just be real. It's hell. And he says, listen to me. I'm going to bring you forth. I'm going to call you forth, and I'm going to say, hey, walk in me. Purpose your heart in me like we talked on the last time. Get purposed to find that identity in who you are, and I will bring you up with wings like eagles. You will soar. You will run. You will not faint. You know, you, you will walk in me, and things will be good. And that identity is who he is and what he is. And too long, we've not identified in whose we really are. I think um, sometimes we're guilty of being like a chameleon. We can Mm. change our color Mm -hmm. based on who we're with. Yeah. We change based on the crowd. But you know what? Our identity in Christ, that is one thing that 
should change us. We cannot change from the outside in. We have to let Christ transform us from the inside out. And men, I'll be honest with you. That's one of those things that growing up, I started ministering at 16 and there was plenty of opportunities for me to change and conform to the world. The Bible says, be not conformed to this world. Mm-hmm. And I'm thankful that I had roots in the gospel, roots in the church. My mom and dad trained me up in the way that I should go in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And I had deep roots in Christ. I had deep family roots. Paul, I, I knew that I was loved. I knew that I was cared for. Yeah. And I'm not going to say that the winds didn't blow and the enemy didn't come against me. Oh, yes, he did. But I like what you said there out of John 1, 12. All that receive him who believed on his name, he gave to them the right to become mm, yes. the children of God. We've been adopted <laughs> into the family of God. Yes. And the Bible says heirs and joint heirs are we with Christ. What a huge privilege that is. You know, you have an identity. I mean, the Chapman name, is that special to you? At one time it wasn't. I mean, I'm just being honest. I mean, my uncles, my family, it was it was rough. They were they were pretty rough, man. And and I can remember growing up in school, people like, "You're a Chapman." Oof. My my I mean, they were rowdy. And <laughs> so it's something you try to combat, you know, and you come, but here's the thing. Here's the thing about it. I didn't choose to be a Chapman. It was ordained by the father and, and, and his words is the same thing. He says, look, you didn't choose me. I chose you. Mm. He chose to make me a Chapman. He chose to make you Van Sliger. He chose because before the foundation of the earth, he knew what he was going to do through you, in you, by you, and through you. Just the same as in him, by him, and through him. And that's our identity. Mm-hmm. Before the foundation of the world began, our identity was already set in stone. He chose us for this day, for this time, to go through what we go through to give him honor and glory. And no matter how much we run from it, it's in our DNA. Yeah, We just have to learn to embrace it Yes, and allow Christ to be exalted through us. And man, once we begin to do that, instead of fighting against him, against like, like Paul, the apostle Paul kicking against the pricks, you know, <laughs> when we start just allowing the Holy spirit to indwell us, yes. that's where we find fulfillment. Yes. That's where we find joy. That's where we find true meaning and purpose. Yes. But yeah, that Hamilton name means something to me. Paul, the Chapman name, it means something yes. to you now. Van, just in our conversations this morning, I've discovered how much you really love your dad. You think so much of your father and your mother. Mm -hmm. So the Slager name means something to you, right? It does, but here's the thing. Um, Who would you be if you didn't have a last name? Who would you be if you didn't have a first name right now? All that's taken away. Who are you? And years ago, I went to Israel, but part of the package is you toured Rome. And when you tour Rome... Chances are they're going to take you through the catacombs of Rome. That's seven miles of catacombs. Most, without question, of those people that are buried there were Christian. They were persecuted. And I'm standing down there looking in the catacombs, and I, you can't help but ask yourself this question. Could I die for him? Could I do, what, seven miles buried on either side? You're talking about from here to Massimo, right? Mm, and that's, the, that's a long ways, man. Of people buried that said, no, my identity's in Christ. Well, I didn't know this. <laughs> wow. I'd give a strength. They had a field out there that was just as long, and they would bury these other Christians in mass graves, right? I mean, they were killing so many do you know what they'd do? Ever so often, they'd put up a placard that said, In Christ. <laughs> and they'd go and bury more. About the thousands. Mm. But you know what? They didn't get a grave that said what their last name was, first name, entrance, exit date, in Christ. Wow. There's no better way to die 
certainly no better way to live than in Christ. Mm. Imagine having that as your identity. Wow. I don't have a name, but I'm in Christ. I just belong to him. Wow. Heavy. That's powerful, Van. Yes. We're all the time in our culture, people trying to make a name for themselves. (laughs) Yeah. Making a name for themselves. And our credentials, what we've done and, and achieved. So there's a man that I think of in the book of Revelation. I think it's chapter two, and it's the church of Pergamos. His name was Antipas, and Jesus said that he was faithful, faithful martyr. And that's all that's really mentioned about Antipas. And at the end of my days, when my children lay my body to rest and my time on earth here is done, I hope that people will be able to look at me and say, he was faithful, faithful to the calling of God, faithful to his family, faithful to the mission that God has called him to. Something that I learned in uh, psychology class in, um, in, in college, and it's Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Not sure if you guys have ever heard about this. So in 1943, Abraham Maslow developed a theory And it was in one of his papers, I think it was called A Theory of Human Motivation. So Maslow was able to deduce and determine based on his study that as people we have needs, we have psychological needs, safety needs, love and belonging, esteem needs. And when all of those needs are met, we achieve self-actualization. And that's where True growth and identity is really discovered. Or in order for a person to reach their full potential, they have to have these needs met. And it's kind of like a pyramid. The first one um, being, like I said, psychological needs, air, water, food, shelter, clothing, sex, and intimacy. If you don't have that, that's the baseline. That's the foundation. You've got to have air. That boy who said he got to have his lungs removed. You, w- without that, everything falls apart. That's good. Without water, everything falls apart. Without food, without shelter. These are all basic needs of humanity. But once you get those basic things met, it's like on to the next level. Your safety needs, personal security, employment, resources, health, property. I mean, these are this is another level of human development. So you've got your psychological needs and your safety needs, then your love and belonging, friendships, relationships, family, sense of connection. So people are developing as they reach in these new levels. Then your esteem, respect, self-esteem, status, recognition, strength, independence, freedom, and I, I, it's like I can see myself going through these levels. As a, as a child, I didn't have all these others. I wasn't able to be independent or work by myself. But you know what? I, I had air, food, uh, shelter. And, and you know what the crazy thing is? Is I, as a school teacher, I teach kids. And there's some days they're not interested in math. You want to know why? Because mom and dad stayed up fussing all night. And they didn't get much sleep. So they're not interested in learning about math. They wasn't. They didn't have their those needs met, and so they they couldn't. They they wasn't ready to learn, or you know what? They went hungry. Believe it or not, poverty is a real thing in in our area. Oh yeah, definitely. It's it's, it's a real thing, and kids oftentimes get neglected, and then we and then they get sent to school, and they're not ready to to learn about social studies. Why? Because they need to eat breakfast. <laughs> yeah, they're hungry. Or they've wore that same pair of pants all week that's dirty. Or you know, they've only got one pair of socks. Guys, I'm t- you think I'm kidding? It's serious. But we got to meet these needs. But then all, all the way at the top, all the way at the top of Maslow's hierarchy of needs is called self-actualization. The desire to become the most that one can be. Or realizing one's identity and calling. 
And so it's like you have to have all of these other systems in place. To get there. To get there. Yes. It's like a pyramid. And I'll put um, a link, or I'll put a, a picture of this in the, in the description of the show. I got to thinking about our identity. And you know what, guys? If you start stripping away my love and belonging, it's like my identity begins to crumble. Mm. You take away my home and my shelter. I slept in a warm bed last night. But you take away my shelter. You take away my job. You know what's going to happen to my identity? My identity is going to crumble. If you take all that other stuff away, who are we? Yeah. And I'm here to tell you, that old devil, he is trying to chip away at God's people. And if we don't know who we are in Christ, we will crumble. Well, I mean, you said it best. We, we try to find our identity in, in what we can become in this world. You know, um, can I be successful? Can I, can I attain enough money? Can I, can I have a big house? Can I have a nice car? Those are the things they measure by my clothes. Do I buy, you know, are my clothes expensive? Do, do people want to be like me? We measure ourselves in this way, you know, and, and, but listen to what the scripture says here in Matthew six, it says, do not lay up yourselves treasures on earth where moth rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. So if you're, if you identify yourself with worldly things, your heart's going to be toward those worldly things. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eyes healthy, your whole body will be full of light. If you have all those things in that pyramid you were talking about, all those things are good, you know, and, and you're living for Jesus and you're living for the Lord. And, and all, he provides all those things because the Bible says he gives us everything we need mm-hmm. from beginning to end. He is our sufficiency. He, he gives us those things. So if all those things come into fruition, our eye is going to be good. Our eye is going to be a lot. Of, I thought about this earlier, man. When I was a kid and I used to go to the bank, your dad, he would always be there and he would always greet you. How you doing today? And his eyes were always lit up. And he was always excited when you walked in the bank. And when we're in Jesus and our eyes are good, we're always inviting. And listen, people want to be around those people who are inviting. If you're like Eeyore the donkey, like I am half the time, depressed and, and thinking, how am I going to make it? i got so much going on me. I'm burdened. I'm burdened. I'm burdened. I've got too much. I'm too busy. I'm this and that. And I'm always complaining about those things. My eye is not good. So therefore, people aren't invited into me. They don't feel free to approach me. But your dad's eyes were always approachable. And that's what God wants us to be. He wants us to be approachable. So he says, but if your eyes bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Mm. How great is that darkness? How great are you given su- submission to the earth and to the world and the things of this world? No one, listen to this, this is our identity. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve God and earth. You cannot serve God and natural. You have to identify in him. I think what's going to happen, Paul, one day, because we've got a society of people that, especially here in the Bible Belt, in the town where we live. Just about everybody's saved. I mean, everybody knows Jesus. Everybody's saved. Everybody's gone their way to heaven. But there's very few people who actually want to sacrifice and serve him. And so here's what's going to happen. One day they're going to stand before God. They've been serving the God of this world. They've been pursuing after money and pleasure and the things of this world, trying to find fulfillment in this world. And they're going to stand before the Lord and say, oh, yeah, I... I I've been saved. I got saved. The Lord's going to stand. He's going to stand for the Lord one day. And he's going to say, "Depart from me, you that work iniquity." Mm. I never knew you. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, Paul. After a long day of work, you're tired. Heather's tired, or maybe even after church on Sunday afternoon. Everybody's got to eat. So where are you going? I'm going down to see Juan and the family at Senor Lopez, 105 Mecca Pike, Teleco Plains, Tennessee, where the food is fresh and the family is welcome. Come home for dinner at Senor Lopez.
And now, the continuation of Truth Revival. Guys, when we have our identity in Christ, there's some things in this world that we'll forsake. There's some things in this world that we'll have to turn from. We cannot serve two masters. You cannot identify with Christ without following Christ. You cannot identify with Christ without suffering like Christ. Mm. Some people have made a profession of faith, and that's all it ever. That's all it ever. That's it. That's as far as it ever got. I think about Jesus in the parable of the sower. You know, sower went forth to sow seed. Some fell on stony ground. What happened? It sprung up. But during the heat, during the oppression, during the challenges and the difficulties of life, because it lacked moisture, it didn't have no root system. Mm. What happened? It burned, it burned away. I see so many people that's like that. They, they heard about Christ and the gospel sprung up in them. Does that mean that they're not saved? Man, I don't know. I mean, I, I've heard so many different retellings of that parable and, and people's position on it theologically. Does that mean that they're not saved? I don't know, but I guarantee you, God's not pleased if you if you burn away, if, if it fades away in you. But I, I would doubt that that person ever truly was regenerate and got saved. The, the next type, it fell among the thorns. And what happened? The cares of this world came in and choked that seed. I see it, guys. I see people, Van, Van, who claim to be saved. I know them. They ain't following Christ. They're more interested in following the world. I did a study. It really intrigued me. And it scared me at the same time. Is You know, the Word says, if you're going to go by what it says, there's nothing in that parable good about drying up, <laughs> choked out. It don't get good till it said, well, and some brought forth much fruit. Right? I think from everything I've studied in Scripture, heaven's not going to be crowded. <laughs> Hell is. That's true. And There's a you, wide road that leads to destruction. Exactly. And what is it that leads to he- straight? To narrow. Straight and narrow. If you'll look in Scripture, uh, there were ten lepers healed. Jesus turned right around and said, where's the nine? Didn't I heal ten? Mm. Heaven, and even what you said earlier, it said many shall say in that day. It don't say one or two. Many, when they're standing for him, well, well didn't I do this? Didn't I do that? He said, I never knew who you were. Now, let's take identity a little further. When Jesus was talking about the rich man in hell, why did he call him the rich man? Because on earth he had attained much wealth. No, because on earth he didn't know who he was. He had to give him a generic name. Mm. He called Lazarus by name. Ooh, that's good, man. <laughs> There's identity. I told you he's witty. <laughs> There's identity. Yeah. That is, that's you didn't strong. know that guy. Because when he says, I Golly never bum. knew you, you got erased. That's why your name ain't in the Lamb's Book of Life. Wow. Mm. I never saw that. That's good. Hey, There's no you. identity. And so I just wanted to testify about God's goodness in the last two years of my life, how what we talked about earlier this mm-hmm. morning. I've walked into that room where I've been in a situation where recently, um, having gone through a divorce, never thought that would happen. Now, I don't mean from a egotistical standpoint of that could never happen to me because that's the worst thing you can ever say in life, in my opinion. I think if the devil ever hears you say that can never happen to me, it's, watch this. Yeah. <laughs> I'll show you. <laughs> because you've already entered the pride realm yeah. by thinking you're in control. and Really, you're not. Mm-hmm. I, I can show you some stuff where I can really get in there. And um, having gone through what I went through church-wise, I lost my mother back in January. I was literally watching my whole life unravel in front of my eyes, and there was not a thing I could do about it. 
So I come home one evening, and all the pictures that we had of our kids were gone. Nothing makes a wall bigger than no pictures on it. Yeah. When there used to be pictures. Everything was stripped off the refrigerator. I don't know how your refrigerators look, but there's kid pictures, and there's this, and there's that. It was straight back to white. Like it come from the factory. We always put stuff on the refrigerator. I walked in the room and her marriage picture was gone. It used to be on her side of the bed and on my side was one's three of the kids, whether it's the first month to three months, all the way to a year. I had three of those, so I've got three children gone. And I've only ever heard a demonic voice probably two or three times in my life. And I'm not talking about voices in your head. I'm talking about a Yeah. I, I didn't come to play. Mm. Come right up behind and whispered in there and said, you know what? It's all gone. And by the time I get done with you, I'm going to erase your name. People are not ever going to know you were here. I've took your church. I've took your mom. I've took your wife. I've took your kids. It's over. You better have an answer. Mm. And my answer was this. I have to tip my hat to you. You've played a good game. But I'll tell you this. I'm a child of the Most High God. It don't matter what I accomplish on this earth because it's so temporary and a vapor anyway. Mm. And the only thing that's going to matter is what I've done for Christ. Oh, and while we're on the subject, <laughs> you're going to bow to that name yeah, and confess that name. Not mine. Right. His. Yes. Amen. You better have those wow. answers. Yeah. Because that... What I was going through, I was stripped all the way down to identity. Just like when he told the disciples, you know, there's a bunch of people followed him, and then a bunch of them quit, didn't they? Got down to the original 12, and he says, you're going to go away awesome. Peter said, well, where, where am I going to go? Where are we going to go? Yeah. And there's nowhere I can go. But see, one thing that saved me was my identity. Yeah. Because I know what I have with Christ. Amen. Because when you come and everything else is stripped away, you better know him. Yeah. He's yeah. all you got. And, and like you were saying, that that few, you know, the, the road's narrow in that passage where, you know, right there before Peter said, where else are we going to go? He was preaching, said, hey, I am the bread. I am. You're going to eat of me and drink of me. If you do, you will obtain these things. And a lot of his followers are like, this is too much. I can't give up myself for who I am for this. I can't identify like that. I'm not going. I can't give up my life, my world, my home, my business, my all these things to eat your bread and drink of your blood and totally identify with you. I can't do. And they left. They walked away. I can't deny myself. Yeah, they walked away. Follow you. Pick up the cross. Yeah, follow you. Van, you said after all these things were stripped away, kind of like what I said in the in the Maslow's hierarchy of needs in your physical human development some of these things begin to strip away. And so your self-actualization, your, your person, your confidence, right? After you attain skills and abilities and assets and resources, but these things are getting stripped away. And where does your identity go? If your identity is not rooted and grounded in the word of Christ, if you don't have your identity in Christ, when, you can, when this is happening to van, this is what I saw in my mind as he was describing that, that pyramid just totally Everything came out except for the top block. I've been there, man. <laughs> Everything is gone but the top block. And he was like in Rome, those fields. He's standing there alone with a sign that says in Christ. That's all you've got. In Christ. You're standing there with that sign, in Christ. The only thing that will hold you is what's in your heart because everything is gone. How about this, guys? Second Corinthians Chapter 4, verse number 8. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Mm. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. You talk about identity. Yes. That's it right there. All of these things happen in our life. Circumstances, trouble, distress, 
persecution, despair, being forsaken, cast down. The apostle Paul said, it all happens so that I can bring about glory and give glory to Jesus Christ. Um, have you guys ever heard about the difference between joy and happiness? Have you ever heard this, Paul? No, tell me, please. Oh, boy. I, I'm, I'm under it. a rock. I love it. So <laughs> happiness, joy, right? I mean, everybody wants that in their life. But what is happiness? Where does happiness come from? Happiness is kids are happy on Christmas morning when they're <laughs> opening up presents. Yeah. Right? But what happens when the presents are over? What happens when there's nothing left to open? What happens to their happiness? I mean, it goes away. Then, then they have to depend on joy. Joy is something more internal. Joy is the love of their family, right? And, and, and while, while happiness is based on contingencies and outside circumstances, joy is something that's internal. And there's, I, there's times, boys, I don't always feel like being happy. When I'm in despair, when I'm being troubled on every side, I don't feel like being happy. But the Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. Wow. There's times that I just do not feel like continuing on. But I have to remember that I'm not depending on these external stimuli. Mm. It's that internal that Christ has given me. The joy of the Lord is my strength. My identity is not in these things, these outside things. My joy, my identity is something more internal, and it's in Christ. Yeah. I remember when I was younger, speaking of identity, and I, I'm going way back here, Van, and I hope you don't mind. But I remember when I used to hear of Van Slager. He was a rapper. How come I've never heard this? Yeah, my past life, yeah. In his past life, he, Van Slager, the rapper. Because I was always into music, and, I would, and so so every time I would hear that name, Van Slager, I was like, oh, this dude's got to be cool. This dude's got to be, you know, that I, that's how I identified you as you were this cool guy, you know. And, and then later on in life, I met Van, and Tell me about the rapping. I want to hear about the identity the identity of the rapping. I know we're it's a little off subject here, but well, I just figured uh, I was always enamored with music, any form, because I never could play anything, and I just always thought that was the greatest thing in the world. Well, then when rap music came out, everything was sample based, and I'm like, well, I can do that because you know I know yeah. about about computers. Um, I've always felt like whether it's Animal Crackers preaching a sermon songs whatever you're doing you're telling a story you're can you're trying to convey something yeah and i had always had that ability so i just figured well and then i figured out at the time you know that it was new one thing led to another and i actually got to the place where i not only went out and did a tape i actually met vanilla ice yeah. and he was putting his tapes in he was unheard of you know, back in the day, you, yeah. it was tapes. Yeah. You didn't hit it big unless you had a CD. And I met him at Hamilton Place, and he was um, putting his tapes in, and I went right under him. I went by Van Sly. So he had put all his in, and then I'm putting them, and I'm like, and so we're just talking, and his last name was Van Winkle or something. Yep. Of course, my real name's Van, and we, we decided, hey, if we ever hit it big, let's have a rap battle over who the real Van is. <laughs> And we're just talking like like we're talking today, no no big deal. And then, you know, the rest of the story, boom, he hits it, supernovas. Then he makes a video after it, but he sold 40,000 tapes between Chattanooga and Atlanta. That's where he got his start. Wow. And you're, you're talking about somebody like that. You sat down there and had dinner with him. You know, we were eating at that little food court and just kids, you know, yeah. talking, hey, we'll, we'll do this and this. And my road was such as to where producing comes in eight. I would have probably wound up being a white Dr. Dre, but <laughs> God Dr. come Dre. in my life. You know, I wasn't the performer like he, he would have been or nor to have that. It was just the, the writing, the, yeah. the putting it together. And um, and uh, one thing that always accompanies that when you're – so I believe you're hardwired from birth. You're yeah. either going to serve Satan or God. 
Like, I believe Elvis could have just sung gospel. I believe Whitney Houston, because they did that, and they veered off that path and what yeah. happened to him. So I believe certain things that you have, you're born with. Yeah. And it's just who you're going to work for. What it said, it, you read it. You can't serve two masters. Well, there's only two you can serve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it just it led to one thing to another. But that's why with animal crackers and stuff, and when God saved me, I was fixing to do cocaine. I was they were going to redo my tape, my masters, sign me to a deal. This guy set this up at a Gatlinburg place in, in Gatlinburg at a chalet. And uh I'd bought this shirt, purple shirt, and I mean I was making money and that's Yeah. That's but people don't understand this when you do that, you're you're basically in prostitution because they will pay for your stuff, but they want their money back. Yeah. You know, and and this guy told me, he said, No van, he said, Nobody he said, Everybody there gonna be doing cocaine. I said, Whatever it takes. That's where I was at. I was lost, you know. Just knew that I wanted to do this. And it was on a Thursday night and I had I was I had this shirt and it was gonna happen on a Saturday night. And it was purple. I'd bought it especially. And just like a PowerPoint, before PowerPoint was a thing, God says, if you go there and you do cocaine, you die. Van, this is it. This is the end of the road for you. Or you can come follow me. And I didn't need 20 verses of I surrender all. <laughs> I can take you to the house that happened then. I dropped to my knees. And this was on a Thursday night. I called Dad. I said, Dad, you know, I got saved in Saturday morning, I mean Sunday, the very you know you know how it is in the Baptist realm. <laughs> we need you to preach. Yeah, yeah. I said, Dad. I said, not only has God really authentically saved me, I said He's called me to preach. And that happened in one shot. It was a wow. one shot deal. And he called at at the time it was Dean Karras, and that's the church I grew up in. He said, "Won't you preach Sunday morning?" <laughs> you know, and I was Thursday night. I'm like, all right. So I studied everything I knew how to do. You know, and. And I preached that morning, and so many people had come to hear me preach. They were they was like blown away because a guy had mastered my stuff, and he was hot. He's like, "Man, this is going to be huge." I said, "I can't do it. I don't. I don't do that anymore." Oh, and he was livid, and I just walked away from it and said, "Well, you know, none of it's worth dying for. That that's clear. So I've got to figure out something now." And mm. when I preached my first sermon, <laughs> think mm. there's so many people come up, you know, it was getting, you know, right with God. And he goes, come back tonight and preach. And I come back that night and did it. And, I, and by this time, I'm out. You know, it takes, <laughs> you know, when you, you're not used to the grind, you know. And that night he stood up and he said, Lord, Lord, tell me to have a mini revival. And you come back every night. And it was right before Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh, God. And we was working at Textron's time. And I, I, I was literally driving on Mecca Pike. You think texting's bad. Try working, and you're trying to get a sermon together. (laughs) (laughs) And God just moved. And I'm talking about from a Thursday. And I started looking at Paul, what happened to him. I mean, it happened in such a fashion. You know, people were like, man, I don't trust this guy. This guy's just killing people last week. You know, but man, when God gets a hold of you. Yeah. And he recreated my identity. He said, no, you you belong to me now. Mm. This is what I'm wanting you to do. And I just have always felt like, I mean, just to be on when you call it witty, whatever, a lot of people call that weird. I never felt like I fit in, but but a lot of people in my life that love you will say, you are, but you own it. <laughs> You're different, but you own it. And I think God uses different. Yes, he does. You Amen. And there's somebody out there just as different as you that like, I can identify with what he's doing Yeah. Now. Some people like music. Some people like animal crackers. Some people like, you know, whatever. But You know, it's a very powerful thing, Van, when you know who you are and you embrace it. Mm. You're not trying to be that chameleon. You're not trying to be somebody else. I can remember growing up, oh, my gosh, at Coca Creek University. Lord. Snake, snake eyes. Oh, snake eyes. I was part of a gang. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever told you that. Uh-oh. I was in a gang. There was a snake eyes and there was eight ball. And... <laughs> I was in the snake eyes. I was the muscle. Uh-oh. But, Uh-oh. man, the girls ran the school. 17 Magazine, Alanis Morissette. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you guys remember that time, Jagged Little Peel. Mm. And all these girls, if you wasn't in with the girls, they made your life miserable. And so you had to do things to make the girls happy. All the boys would turn against other boys. Like, if you wasn't, like, in the crowd and – 
there was a time in my life whenever I was struggling to fit in. And I went through a lot. I went through a very, very difficult phase in my life. In high school, my brother was on the football team. He was an upperclassman. I was a lowerclassman. And I know what it's like firsthand to be hazed. Yeah. Hazing, bullying is a very real thing. And I'm already struggling with insecurities. Okay. But again, I've got a great family life. Everything is good. I've got home, food, water, shelter. Everything's good. But but there's things in my life that, you know, I'm, I was struggling with. And guys, I, I used to get hit a lot in the back of the head with a class ring. I, I mean. Hated that. The guys would come, they'd flip their class ring around and pow, slap you on the backside of the head or run you into a locker or, you know, you're in the bathroom and, you know, people are, like I said, hazing you and bothering you and you're just like, leave me alone. And now it's just in good fun, right? It's just in good fun. That's what, that's what they all say. Well, it was, it just wasn't, it didn't feel like good fun to me. You talked about that demon that whispered to you. That's what. A demon started whispering to me, suicide. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Take your life. Mm-hmm. It ain't worth it. And guys, I can remember battling with suicide, suicidal thoughts at a young age. And if if I didn't know who I was in Christ, I would have took my own life. I mean, I, I, I mean, I've since even grown in my walk with the Lord then, but, but my mom and dad had instilled my my family, you know, uh, who who I was. I mean, I had uh, the Lord in my life, and you know, I was not my own anymore. I remember my dad would always say, "Remember uh, when you when you leave the house, not only remember who you are, but whose you are." Yeah, Amen. And I can remember, I, I was trying to fit into the world. I was trying to be conformed to the world, and it wasn't working. Square peg, round hole type thing. <laughs> I ju- it just wasn't working. And so I got to a place of total submission unto the Lord, and I said, God, whatever you want me to do, just show me. Yeah. Show me, Lord. And I prayed that as a 16-year-old kid. I'm praying, God, show me. Show me, Lord. Reveal it to me. And the Lord said, I want you to preach. I said, there's got to be something else. <laughs> there's got to be something so, I, you know, I wrestled with that for a while, and I eventually surrendered my life into the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, I was saved at an early age, but surrendered the call to preach and carry the gospel. And boys, when I say that God began to work things out, the rest is history. Yeah, He put a girl in my path that I ended up marrying. He put friends in my path that I still have friends to to this day, a ministry that God allowed me to walk in in a calling that I didn't veer from, that I stayed in. And when I figured out my identity in Christ, things started falling into place. Things started working out. Now, granted, there were still some hiccups along the way, but God, when you're in submission unto the Lord, God has a way of working things out for good. Amen. God has a way of taking all those experiences. So, guys, I want to just, we're going to wrap it up with some of these right here. Um, In Christ, I'm adopted. You said that earlier, Paul. We are children of God. In Christ, I am justified. Mm. Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those which are in, in Christ. Christ. In Christ. We're, we're, there's nothing else you have to do, Van, for God to love you. No. We're in Christ. We've been justified. And then uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 22. For as in Adam, all die. So also in Christ, they shall all be made alive. When you're in Christ, God will make you to come alive. You'll experience the fullness of life and yes. the joy of the Lord will be your strength. Also, I'm secure. Romans eight thirty eight. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor power, nor height, nor depth, nor anything shall be able to separate us from the love of Christ. In Christ, you're adopted. In Christ, you're justified. In Christ, you're secure. In Christ, you're free. The Bible says, who the Son sets free 
Free indeed. It's free indeed. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Hallelujah. And then, this is the beautiful thing. Philippians 1.6. It says, I'm sure that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of the Lord. God is making his masterpiece in you men, in me, in all believers. And Van, I know that you've been undergoing some difficult circumstances, but you're still not finished yet. God's still working in you. So trust in the master builder. Van, just give us some closing, closing thoughts there. Well, you, you mentioned that about control, and I found out that in Christ, control is somewhat of an illusion. And I was listening to these two surfers talk about, you know, surfers, if you're going to surf, you got to have a wave. Clearly, but they don't get to pick it. They got to wait for it. And if they're ever going to surf, they got to ride a wave, but they don't make waves. So are they in control? No. Mm. If you're going to ride a wave, somebody got to make a wave for you to ride. <laughs> and I've just learned with, with <laughs> Christ is, uh, you know, that's why your identity is important because if you think it's going to be, well, we've heard before, you know, if you want to hear God laugh, tell him your plans. Because <laughs> I guarantee you, just, just the three people in this room never thought one day we'd be here doing this. I know I didn't. Yeah. Did you have a premonition somewhere back in high school? Yeah, one day we're, you're going to be at Poplar Bluff. You're going to be doing this. You're going to be, no. And, and so much of that is just walking out the path. Because yeah. you really don't know what it's going to be. And I'm not talking about from one year to the next. I'm talking about one minute to the next. Amen to that, man. We all know you can walk right outside this and hear some news on the phone that you never thought you'd hear in a million years. And we've seen a lot of that as of late. But So I can say that when I talked to you earlier this morning. Um, my, my life in certain parts looks like shambles. But I've never been closer to the Lord. Never. My best times preaching when the glories fell out of the sky. Never been this close. And the reason why is, is because I've been taken to ground zero. I heard this guy say this the other day. because I know that darkness. And when you've been there, and everything that you go through, I've told people this for years, the one thing I'd always like to leave with anybody, anything you've been through and you made it to the other side, not only were people watching to see if you're going to make it, but when you get through, you earn a license, right? That's how you teach. You didn't just walk in there and say, hey, I'm, you had to go through something. And that's what allows you to minister is because up until <laughs> not even last year, I couldn't tell you what it was like to just, that's the first time I was ever, quote, fired. I know what that is, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> where he's all you got to look at. Yeah. I don't have to question and wonder where my identity is. I know full well. Can look and tell you right now and not even blink. Yeah. Amen. So. Praise God. Thank you for sharing that, Van, and thank you for being part of the show. It's been great having him here, man. Yeah. It's been awesome. It's been awesome. I love it. Paul, close us out. You know, I I just want to speak speak to the believer that's going to listen to this. We know uh, that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And, And what does he come to steal, kill, and destroy? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy our identity. Because when we know who we belong to, we're equipped, we're ready, we're trained, we're in shape when we know. But if we don't know, we're in shambles. As Van said earlier, we're goo. We're just goo. We're not worth much when we don't know who we belong to. So listen, let me leave you with this. Colossians 3, it says, believer, this is for you. Take this and, and, and eat it and let it rise in you. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died. Believer, you have died and your identity is in Jesus. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, who is your identity, when he appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. We will cross over. We will walk with him and we will abide with him forever, identified for eternity, for eternity, for eternity, singing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, worthy is the lamb.
That's our identity forevermore. Paul Chapman drops the mic. We love you, buddy. Thank you, guys. If you haven't liked us on Facebook, be sure to visit us on Facebook at Truth Revival 37385. Like and share the show. Van, we've enjoyed having you today. Been a pleasure. Paul. Boom. You ready to go do some basketball? Listen, we got to go. <laughs> God bless you guys. We're out of here. <laughs>